welcome to Spark of Joy, conversations for curious minds and soul searchers. I'm Lauren, your host, and in today's episode, we talk to Lauren Amy, fellow yogi, dancer, and butt wiggler. (laughs) Many in the yoga world began their journey with dance, and we are no different. But can you still call yourself a dancer? We hope to find out with you today. Enjoy. Yay! Welcome to Spark of Joy. This is episode number four. I am Lauren, your host, and I am joined by another fabulously named human called Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hello, hello. How are you doing today, my love? I am very excited to be here. Um, This is my first podcast episode, so a little bit nervy at the same time, but I'm thrilled to be talking about all things dance. (laughs) Absolutely. So yeah, we are talking about dance today. Our subject title is what defines a dancer and both finding yoga through dance or finding dance first and then journeying to yoga. We both have very similar paths in that respect. Um, But we find maybe when we're out of the profession of the dance world or the dance industry, questioning am I still a dancer even if we do as a hobby or in our kitchen on Friday nights (laughs) we still want that we still want something to tether that dancer label to so we're going to be questioning that a little bit today but before we get into that Lauren would you please introduce yourself tell us how you found dance how you found yoga and how you beautifully combine the two together Gosh, that's such a big question to start with. It's a really great question for someone who's currently going through a slight identity crisis. (laughs) Um, So yes, to put it kind of in a nutshell, um, I actually, before I found dance, I first of all started with acting, with drama. And I do mention that because I've recently discovered by one of my yogis, she said to me how my acting experience actually feeds into my classes now, which I didn't expect. So yeah, I started uh, with acting. And I kind of, I always loved movement, always used movement as an outlet to kind of get out whatever's in my head and just kind of put it into movement, just get it out of my head into my body. Um, And then I kind of fell into dance training, I suppose, by accident. Um, I was with a performing company in my gap year. Um, and actually I'll, I'll mention this, if anyone is currently coming to end of school and they're struggling for what to do next, look at Year Out Drama because you um, will not regret it. So I did a Year Out Drama and I had everything kind of lined up. I was like, right, I'm gonna study dance and drama at university. And I happened to get an email saying that the dance and drama course at university had been cancelled. And oh my goodness, crying ensued (laughs) because my plan had kind of fallen apart. Um, And I thought, okay, do I audition elsewhere? Do I go down the further route of auditioning? And we all know what the audition process is like. Um, Yes, (laughs) stressful. Um, And then I decided, okay, instead of doing dance and drama combined, I will look at doing solely dance. Because I felt like with the year at drama company, I had really gone down the acting route. Mm. I just wanted to prioritize dance a little bit and see where it would take me. So I I did um, my dance degree um, 
the three-year degree and it was in my third year I randomly I think somewhat randomly decided to do my yoga teacher training whilst writing a dissertation and right whilst being in you know the highly <laughs> stressful year <laughs> um don't ask me why I did that um are you insane <laughs> <laughs> I think I think of my admit I I do have a reason for it. I think my reasoning behind it again I like I do like to plan I think at this point I do like to think like right I've got everything in motion I'm definitely not not like that now but I think I was kind of like right I've got my my yoga teacher training I've got my degree it's all sorted <laughs> but when I did my yoga teacher training I wasn't uh, actually focusing on on being a yoga teacher um, I really wasn't sure um, whether that was the route I was going to take Mm. Um, but I, what I was sure about was that I definitely wanted to do a master's degree. So I then went on to do a master's degree in dance performance and choreography. Mm. Um, and that for me is really where I began, began to discover what kind of movement mover I am mm. um, and how I like to, to speak creatively, the kind of works I like to do. It's really, it's kind of where I found myself in a way. And then since then, uh, since my degree, um, I dove straight into yoga teaching, which I originally said I wasn't going to do, but I did it and I am loving it. And my dance very much feeds into um, what I teach uh, every day. Um, it's something I kind of, I don't know, I love it in a way that even now I still discover things that I did in my degree and I think oh I could bring that into a class um even yesterday in my class I taught a, an improv um technique called fussy baby <laughs> and brought that into um, my own class which was a which was great fun um and again I just I just love how it all feeds it in so I when people ask me what I do or what I am think it all comes down to I am a mover I don't want to say I'm a yoga teacher or a dancer I think it's I am a mover um, and that's kind of where I'm heading at the moment I think it all could change in a second um, but <laughs> we'll see it's the intention behind it and everything I've seen you post so we are we are Instagram friends let's face it <laughs> Everything I've seen you post, all of that comes through massively. And the the, the mover label, because we like to mm. put labels on things, don't we? It's mm. sad, but we do like to put labels yeah. on. But the mover label is something that I have started to come under a lot more, um, yeah. certainly with my exploration. So I've been out of dance training for eight years now so that the gap I've had is 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 longer mm -hmm. um, but exploring that with you someone where the training itself is still a little fresher in your mind is really interesting yeah before we get kicked into our main point of conversation because we are talking about identities because we're unpacking that feeling of belonging like I said, we like to put labels on things as human mm -hmm. beings. Very sad. It's very annoying, but it's <laughs> what it is. I just wanted to check in and do a few grounding breaths. So Lauren, and if you're listening to the podcast, just find yourself in a comfortable seated or standing position with one hand to your heart and one hand to your belly. Allow your spine to lengthen and your shoulders to release down. 
And just let go of the corner hinges of your jaw. Let your tongue release from the roof of your mouth. And as you inhale, just lift your eyebrows as high as you can, feeling them release softly down as you exhale. And even though you are settling into stillness, feel the movement of the breath under the surface of your body. Even when we are at our most still, we are always moving. The uplifting quality of the inhale and the releasing quality of the exhale is something that is deep within us all. Something that we can lean into, can find and draw outwards whenever we need to. So if you're wondering today if you are a dancer, if you are a mover, the answer is yes. Because you are always moving in some small way. And when I watch someone move, it's the intention behind the movement that really catches me. Someone elongating an arm or pointing a foot is beautiful. But when done with the breath, when done with care, intention, that's when the grace of the movement is truly visible and can touch the hearts of many. Feel that movement, feel that grace that swirls within your body. And feel gratitude for it. Take a deep inhale. And exhale, sigh. <sighs> Releasing any judgment, any inner criticisms. And then just start to move your body, swaying from side to side, like you're slow dancing with yourself. As you inhale, let your arms extend out in line with the shoulders with your sway. Let your arms raise to the sky with the sway. Let your palms connect and let them sway all the way down to your heart center. Let the sway slow in pace, settling back into that sense of stillness. Feeling the movement of the breath remain. 
bow in reverence to that grace you hold within you at all times. So I hope that's made you feel a little bit more like a natural dancer in some way. I always feel if I do a little connection like that, if I'm doing a particularly flowy class, everyone can feel that element of movement a lot nicer. It feels really exploratory. So lush. Yeah. I always struggled when I was dancing to breathe. Um, mm-hmm. I used to hold my breath, especially if I was yeah. doing something particularly fast paced. And you could really tell when like my mom or my dad or anyone watching me would be like, you were holding your breath that whole time. I'd be yeah. like, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big thing. I think dancers find that a, quite a common theme that they hold their breath. And I remember uh, dance teachers always say to me, breathe, breathe. <laughs> Um, so it's it's very common and I think it's actually with with finding the yoga which has then kind of brought that breath element in um, I think again it's really beneficial for dancers but for everyone just remind yourself to take that breath let it guide you from one moment to the next yeah. it's so powerful and everything comes from it and everything returns back to it so just keep going with that cyclical nature keep going Amazing. We're just expressive vessels and it's how we choose to express. Um, The expression of the soul through movement is Mm. something that is as old as time. And whatever culture you look to throughout history, how far back you look, you know, the birth of humanity in Africa, you go to Mm -hmm. Africa nowadays and their movement, it's just so ingrained in their culture, their body, their day, Mm -hmm. they just move in this just utterly stunning way. And you can see it comes from the depth, can't you? It comes from really deep within and it's really potent, really powerful. I love it. It is, it is. And then you look to countries like India, the home of yoga, dance, mm-hmm. just as big a part of yes. their as yoga is. Yes. And you can look to all the different styles, you know, even the more modern styles like a Bollywood dance to a traditional mm-hmm. Bangra dance and things like that. It's just... It's so wonderful. And I think that's the thing I love the most is the celebration. So even though you are not a paid dancer, you still call yourself a dancer. Yes. Um, It's something I've had a bit of trouble with recently because I was kind of like, am I? Am I still a dancer? Um, But yes, I am. I think what's what defines it for me is I still have that passion that I still have that passion to move. Um, and as long as that passion remains, as long as that passion is there, I am a dancer. Mm. That's it. <laughs> and to be honest, in doing research for this podcast episode, I looked at the etymological origins of the word dancer. And that's and a big it- word in itself. <laughs> some vocal warm-ups before I said that (laughs) but it comes from old French and the word in old French is danson d-a-n-s-o-n like ted Mm. um and it means to draw to pull to stretch so it says nothing about performing or practicing or being paid so the word dancer is to express through physical 
movement, to pull, to draw, to stretch. And when I was looking at that, I was looking deeper into the kind of origins. And one of the longest standing styles of dance is ballet. And mm -hmm. ballet comes from fencing. So men in sort of, I want to say 16th century, kind of, possibly, I want to say, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but... <laughs> Men in the courts would be wearing their slightly heeled shoes and would be fencing. And you look at the, obviously ballet is, is full of French words like pas de char mm -hmm. and, you know, en cat and things like that. And it, all of the words are the same. So you have a chasse in fencing, yes. you have a chasse in ballet and all of the movements, the transference of weight, the way you smoothly move to draw, to pull, to stretch is all the same. So you can really see how those origins of fencing and that lunging forwards, the same as if you would lunge forwards in preparation for a, a pirouette you can see it all culminate from this French court period of history. And I find it incredibly interesting that the word dancer has absolutely nothing to do with <laughs> performance, payment or training. <laughs> it's just all these things that we've added in over time. We've thrown these more labels at it so, then, so that it's lost that original meaning. Because um, I didn't know that until today. Um, so yeah, I've learned something new already. <laughs> Day is a school day I didn't know that until like last week so there we go <laughs> um the it's the identity that I think we've layered on top of this feeling that a dancer is someone who needs to be trained one trained professionally and I know that's something that we're going to talk about today yes um <laughs> two someone who's been doing it for a long time and three someone who is potentially being paid for it professionally whether that's teaching or performing, you know. Um, but again, we would put the teacher word afterwards. Dance. Yes. Mm -hmm. As if it's a little derogatory dig after, you know? There's, there's this really annoying um, phrase that I remember. I probably heard it before my dance training, but I definitely heard it within my dance training. And it was this, we've probably heard it. This annoying phrase that those that can't do teach. Ah. Uh, yes oh I hate that saying so much um because as, as much as uh performing is admirable without yeah. those teachers there they wouldn't be where they are you know yeah. so without all these and we take so much inspiration from everyone around us so in a way we're all teaching each other so teaching is just as admirable it's just as powerful I think um so maybe we should start saying I'm a teacher of dance I'm a teacher of yoga maybe we need to flip it around a little bit <laughs> I think the phrase needs completely flipping if you have something to share teach mm. not if you can't do teach if you yeah. share teach yes like I think about some of the most transformative teachers I had certainly in terms of dance mm -hmm. and like some of the most transformative teachers have worked and honed on that particular craft to yeah. make it so understandable for you to be able to go, oh my God, why did I not get that until right now? <laughs> I think I was properly like 19 years old before someone even fully explained to me the logistics of a pirouette. 
I mean, I still don't understand now. I've never been good oh, at the <laughs> Before that, I think I was just flailing around, you know, like just flailing and twirling and hoping that I would land delicately in some way. Mm. But fully, I think I was like 19 in, in like my uni years. And I, I came home for the weekend to see my parents. And they were like, how, how was your week? I was like, yeah, I learned how to do a pirouette. And my mum was like, what? <laughs> what? been dancing for so long you but I was like I know it's taken me this long and with this particular teacher to properly understand I love that I'm, I'm so glad you found that at 19 maybe that means I'll find that at 26 27 <laughs> you know, maybe the day you do call me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will you'll be the first person I tell <laughs> I'll throw a little dance party for you oh thank you <laughs> So yeah, I feel like the word dancer is just is fully shrouded in this kind of identity crisis. And I think it probably stems from the fact that as dancers, as people training to be dancers, as dance teachers, we want that stigma to be removed because let's face it, probably until the mid 20th century, there was an incredible stigma in the dance industry and there's always mm-hmm. been this link with dance and performing with prostitution yes and yes. even my mum as a dancer in the 80s she worked all over the world with numerous groups and troops and things and yeah there was just this presumption that they could hire her at the end of oh. the evening oh just when you say that now it just makes me feel a little bit sick (laughs) doesn't it doesn't it I mean I'm again it's not surprising but it's still definitely prominent like teaching or when you introduce yourself to someone now and they ask you what you do and you might say I'm a dancer and they're like oh can you do a little dance for us or something no (laughs) I'm sorry what (laughs) yeah it's still it's still happening now and I think we are still fighting to change that stigma it's, I mean it's definitely got better yeah maybe but I think there's still a bit of that fight going on mm. yeah I mean me personally I've never been asked if I could be hired at the end of a performance so there is <laughs> there is some change but that's just me you know there may be yeah. out there that have had very different experiences yes so another thing that we wanted to talk about that I think sometimes gets a bit too caught up in the definition of dancer is how long or where you've trained. Yes, I think for me it's the where you've trained that's mm-hmm. that stands out most because um, I remember whenever you had a dance company or someone come in to deliver a workshop you'd have that Q&A session at the end and one of the first questions would be where did you train Mm -hmm. and there's this kind of another stigma again over university versus a conservatoire or an academy and for me when I decided okay I want to go down um, further education in dance I had absolutely no idea that any kind of conservatoire or academy existed absolutely no idea um and my dad bless him he was trying so hard to find all these places like oh you could look at this university this place then we just had absolutely no clue so for me Again, that was never going to be an option, even if I did know they exist. Um, But there does seem to be this 
as in like the conservatoires are placed high. That's a higher level of training to universities. And sure, they may do more practical, they may do more technique, but that doesn't mean to say, again, it comes back to the passion for me. If you are passionate about dance, that's going to shine brighter than anything that is on your resume or on your CV for me. And that's something I want to shout from the heavens. <laughs> as long as you're passionate and that passion keeps shining, it doesn't matter where you've trained. Um, and I think also the creative industry is the only industry in my experience that remembers or explicitly asks for your training. Because in most, most places when, I don't know, when you get a job at a, I don't know, an office, which clearly I've never done. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> yeah, so in, in the more corporate world, I suppose, do they even ask? Do they, do they ask what your degree is or where you went? I don't know. I, I would have thought perhaps not. Um, my, maybe my when you first start out, but... Yeah, my own, I think when you first start out, I guess if you have a, to be fair, my only really experience with this is probably TV when people go for like law jobs and they'll say that they're right. from Harvard Law or Yale Law or Oxford Law, you know, like a really prestigious university. Yeah. You know, same with doctors. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got a PhD from you know Cambridge or whatever I think I think was something like that potentially but yeah no it fully harkens back doesn't it you know yeah the only the only difference that I can really tell you between something like a university and a conservatoire or an academy um, is that pretty much every teacher you have at a conservatoire or academy will be a professional working dancer yeah in, yeah I can imagine that in mm. a capacity of either West End or on a break between cruise ships or in a company mm-hmm. um, they will be people actively in the industry and that will be a second pay point for them so it'll almost bolster their initial work of performing and then they would have the teaching work on the side and then anyone who is kind of head of department um, will have had a long history in their chosen subject so you know I, I remember my ballet teacher had been with the royal for oh wow decades like decades amazing yeah. Um, so she slowly sort of transitioned into teaching and then made her way up to the head of, of the ballet department of my school. Um, that's the only difference. Mm. Yes, they have a ton of experience in the industry. They might be able to give you some insight. But again, it's, it's down to the individual passion. And yeah. if a teacher has passion, I'm not too fussed on their credentials. Yeah, I'm not going to go to a teacher and say, what musicals have you been in? No, sorry, I'm not coming to your class. Yeah. Oh, no. And that, yeah, absolutely never for me. I think the teachers I had at university were definitely inspiring in their own unique right. I actually, I don't think I, I know where they trained. I know where one of them trained because I then went to the same university to do my master's. But other than that, um, 
I don't think I ever asked. I don't think I was ever, I suppose it would have been interesting to find out. But again, they were just inspiring and in what they taught there and then. Um, and I enjoyed being trained by them. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Again, if you have something to offer, teach. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't matter on your, your background. It doesn't matter. And the same can be said for yoga. It happens in the yoga industry just as much as it does in the mm-hmm. dance industry. Oh, you've just trained to be a yoga teacher. Where did you train? Yeah. And it's something I'm acutely aware of now. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I just, I don't bother asking anymore because it's not important. Yeah, it's, it's not. Again, it's what you, what you bring to the, I suppose, to the table there and then. It's what you bring to the yoga studio. It's what you bring to the dance studio. Um, and I don't, I really wish we could stop placing all these different um, I don't know different places to train train as higher than the other because um, I suppose a, a point to bring up in when we're talking about this as well is accessibility to those academies and to those conservatoires because not only have you got a slightly hefty price I mean university isn't cheap either um, but you've got the audition process which you have to pay for you have to pay to audition and again that's not cheap and some of these conservatoires have I think sometimes some of them range to like four to eight rounds of auditions um, which again you have to pay for you have to pay to get there Um, and it's just not accessible for everyone Um, so say if you didn't have the opportunity to audition or train at a conservatoire and you chose to go down the university route or even if you didn't choose to go down to university route and you went down a different route to find your dance training that is still valid and that is you still demonstrating your passion for movement and that's what matters willingness to learn yes i don't think there's a more commendable attribute to have than a willingness to learn and absorb. I feel like at at my time, so I kind of stopped dancing. My my, my time in the dance industry faded out around 2012. So it it sort of petered out and the, the yoga element really ramped up because I felt very at home in the yoga industry in terms of what was going on with the dance industry. But there were signs that it was beginning to change. Mm -hmm. And it was really refreshing to see teachers saying, look, you've got a great um, repertoire of movement. You have a wonderful um, way with, with musicality, but, you have got a stinking attitude (laughs) and I I kept hearing conversations like that you know like you're really good at this but if you don't check that attitude you're not going anywhere so it was nice to start hearing things like that and this Mm. would be one of the one of the more open schools you know places like pineapple and so that would be a more much more open thing but again I know people that have a lot of dance training from just going and paying for classes in those spaces mm-hmm. rather than going to a conservatoire or a university. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's, it was changing. I hope it continues to change because it does need a little bit of an overhaul. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, th- I think it is still in that process of change. I think there's still this 
shift and I mean the fact that we're talking about it now shows there is still this change so well done us little clap for us <laughs> and well done to everyone that's listening as well it shows that we are wanting to change this still um so I mean I I graduated uh when did I graduate 2017 I think 2017 um so I, I'm at that point now where I consider myself to slowly be letting go of the, not the dance world entirely, maybe the dance world, I don't know, I'm still kind of deciding. You can see why I'm in this place of having an identity crisis, but I'm st- maybe the politics of the dance world yes yeah, yeah maybe that's it yeah I'm slowly kind of letting that go so now that I'm on the other side I can then look at this and think oh yeah this some of this stuff is not not great <laughs> so there's still work that needs to be done um, and hopefully we can keep doing that work and all those that graduate now or in a few years have more tools in their toolkit for when they have left that safety net of education and training to feel comfortable if they then decide to let go of the dance world entirely or just the politics of it or just the training of it hopefully they feel that a little bit more comfortable maybe and then as people who are still very much interested in the dance world and going to view performances and having it perhaps as a hobby for themselves we can then feel immense pride at everything that's being produced in a world and in a way that feels like it's really honest. And you've had that recently with going to see a friend of yours, haven't you? Yes, yes, oh, it's amazing. It's actually my first piece of work that I saw, first dance piece of work that I've seen in probably about two years now, because obviously Mm -hmm. everything that's been going on. So there's that element uh, that is amazing. But yeah, to see my, one of my best friends perform, um, she performed in Urban Astronaut by Highly Strung, um, which was incredible at uh, Milton Keynes. um, And watching her, seeing her do her thing, and she was kind of flying all around. She's upside down one moment, she's getting tossed over someone's head the next moment. And I'm watching her, I was like, that is, my best mate that's her doing her thing and that's when I first noticed I think this this shift in perspective because I wasn't watching her thinking like oh I wish that was me up there I wish that was me being flung around in the air me doing all these twists turns um I wish it was me uh having these people congratulate me afterwards there was none of that I was just sat there being like I know that girl none of you actually know that girl but I do (laughs) I was like number one fan like secretly videoing all the things being like that's my bestie (laughs) um yeah and I, I just loved it it was it was a definite change in perspective and yeah she did she did so well so well done Beth <laughs> well done Beth well done Beth <laughs> you know what she's been through to be able to get that and mm-hmm. by having those thoughts of oh I wish that was me you're subtly taking away that work that that person has put into it you know yeah. like it's not like the dance industry yes can be a lot of luck mm-hmm. and exceeding in it is incredibly lucky but by saying I wish that was me that could have been me you are 
chipping away at all of that work that they have put into. I think that that can turn into a really toxic thing. There's there's another thing also, there's this um, saying where comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, yeah. So not only are you kind of stealing their joy in a way, you're kind of numbing down all their achievements, but you're also stealing joy from yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not allowing yourself to just be happy for that person or being comfortable with where you are now. And I know that is a process to get to that point, I suppose. But by constantly comparing yourself, you're just doing yourselves a disservice. Um, but I know that it's, it's easier said than done to kind of stop those comparative thoughts. Um, so again, give yourselves a little break. But again, you are doing yourselves a disservice there. And just remind yourselves of all the things you are doing, even if it's not necessarily dance related. Um, even if it's something else entirely, give yourselves a break, yeah? And I do think that we, are, we tend to put these performers on a, on a pedestal, like that is the highest achievement. Mm. But we forget that the next day, those performers might be going to teach a class, going to deliver a workshop. They may be working in a shop, a cafe. They may be doing lots of other things. They may be going to work okay now I need to find the next open call I need to find the next audition they are still you know doing a lot of work behind the scenes it's not as if like okay they're on stage they've made it that's the pinnacle of success it's not (laughs) you know there's so many other things in the background and even if you are a performer and even if you are um, proud of getting there still still be proud because it is a lot of work it is a lot of stress again there's the the comparison that comes in um still be proud but don't feel as though you have to constantly be looking for the next performance you know um and I think that's something I had to let go of as well um for me because I I did used to like performing but looking back at it now I wouldn't go back to being a performer I can't handle that stress (laughs) too stressful for me just just let me float on by through life I can't handle all the makeup and my hair being pulled oh my goodness (laughs) good lord my skin for days after a show would be horrendous like caking it on it's just insane I know I know Um, I I could not agree with you more and especially that comparison is the thief of joy it's like it's Mm -hmm. a quote I'd actually forgotten existed until you said it just now but it is so so it can sit in you and really really eat away a lot of the general and everyday joy that we can feel for somebody else I do genuinely believe, and, and, and I have definitely gotten to the place where I can just feel complete pride. Anyone I trained with, anyone who I'm still in contact with that has success, I just mm-hmm. feel ultimate pride because I know what it takes to do that and to achieve in yeah. that industry. And um, I'm not going to take that away from anybody. And it's, exactly. so lo- it's so lovely to have that and to, and to be appreciative of the fact that they have had to work so hard to get there. It's, um, it's really interesting. And I think a lot of people who, who do dance and then slowly kind of like, like me, I guess, because it's my experience, not kind of slowly fall out of it and you know, maybe fall out of love with it. I did unfortunately fall out of love with it. Um, mm-hmm. 
So it took me a while to then get back into doing anything as a hobby or enjoying it just for me. And I did have to do quite a lot of soul searching into why did I want to be a dancer in the first place? Yeah. It was because I've been doing it for so long. I don't know how to do anything else. Is it because my mum was a dancer? I wanted to emulate her. Was it because I wanted to prove my dad wrong because he thought that it was a bit of a, a weird profession to go for, <laughs> a bit of an unstable industry, and he likes stability. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's a common theme with dads as well. <laughs> and also, was it because I wanted this attention, this fame, this recognition? Mm-hmm. And in the end, I, I worked out that it was all four combined, obviously. Yeah. But when I was happiest, I was creating, I was choreographing, I was collaborating things. And that's one thing that I see massively in you as well. When you move, I go, I've never seen anyone (laughs) do that before, which means it's something you've invented in a moment of mindful movement meditation. And it is just, wonderful (laughs) I'm so glad that comes through because even even in uh training I kind of stay I could I could feel myself moving away from highly choreographed highly technical um dance uh dance practices and dance techniques like like ballet for instance Mm. it's it's such a, a highly technical technique it's it's I mean ballet dancers are athletes in their own right but for me, whenever doing any kind of ballet, gosh, I used to say I felt like an elephant in a tutu. I was just, oh, no. <laughs> it brings back so many wonderful memories of trying to do a split leap across the room and probably crashing onto my ankle. Yeah, it, it wasn't the best time, but I tried. I did try. <laughs> but there was there was this kind of um, shift of letting go of all these these highly technical practices and just wanting to move in my own way and that's that's where my movement practices comes comes from now. I just love being able to move in the moment. I mean, my my tagline, my slogan, what you'd say for my business is movement from within. Mm. That is what I like to bring out in people, whether it's people day to day, whether it's yogis, whether it's dancers, that is what I like to do, encourage this, this self in expression. And that was how I also like to create by moving in the moment. I mean, my, my oh gosh, thinking back to my, I think it's my third year dissertation. It was all about using meditation as a way to choreograph and mm. as a way to boost a dancer's uh, virtuosity technique. Um, and it's so great that that is still coming through. It's still coming through to people um, because that in a way was my, was my aim to just encourage people to move in the moment. And I always say this, uh, embrace the weird and wonderful, because even though the movement might be really messy, that might be the most beautiful movement as well. Yeah. So I always like to say, embrace the weird and wonderful, don't be afraid to play. And it's when we let go of the inner critic, the the ego, that is when your soul starts speaking. That is when the, the mover within is really speaking loud and clear. 
um, and your, the movement that you're doing becomes this, this language. I could talk about it for so long. I should probably stop soon, <laughs> but I could just go on and on about it. You touch on such a good point where yoga and dance, I feel are, are missing and missing mm-hmm. out on this connection. Um, yeah. I started doing yoga completely separately to dance. I was doing them at the same time, but I was unaware of the nuances of yoga and hyper aware of the nuances of dance. Yeah. So as the dance was fading and the yoga was building, I was learning about things like meditation and mindful movement, intuitive movement, listening in the moment. And like you say, embrace the weird and wonderful. It might not look pretty, but it's goddamn cathartic. Yes. I tell you. <laughs> yes. And, um, <laughs> When I started learning mandala yoga, which I know is a form mm-hmm. of yoga that you also teach and <laughs> really encourage, um, it's exactly the same. And I say to people, when you're doing this mandala, when you're envision, envis- envisaging this <laughs> circular movement that you're doing around the mat, so mandala yoga is a 360 degree circular movement style around the mat. I always call it circumnavigation of the yoga mat. Um, <laughs> some things are going to feel a bit sticky and a bit weird Mm -hmm. and that's like a mandala some layers of a mandala that come from that central point are smooth and lyrical and others are really Mm -hmm. jagged and pointy and it's just the layers of the body that we're working through and connecting to that breath and having that sense of expansion and uplift and then releasing and softening is all we need and you call it yoga you can call it dance it is movement and the more you dig into that the more your soul will start to sing yes yes I love that I um are you sure we're not the same person (laughs) yeah I agree agree so much um and coming back to the the mandala I I always feel like I've forgotten how to teach a a normal yoga class because I am always kind of moving around the mat now what is a normal class now because I don't know what that is anymore <laughs> I think at linear what's up and down no I only, I only do <laughs> yes exactly um yeah so <laughs> going back to you know that and just being able to move in a way that we don't need to to plan all the time moving in these unexpected ways and letting your soul shine letting your soul speak is actually when I began to feel graceful in my movement I've never felt particularly graceful until the yoga and dance elements started to combine and Mm. it's it's something I didn't notice until some someone said it to me they were like oh your your movement is so graceful I was like really you should have seen me in a ballet class (laughs) that was a completely different story but again it's just to show that the the emphasis we put on the breath in yoga coming back to what you said at the beginning reminding yourself to breathe and then taking yourself on a journey around the mat or even off the mat doesn't that matter where you are and having that sense of expression embracing whatever comes up in the moment yeah that for me is it's your practice doesn't have to look like anyone else's practice that is your practice if you want to call it dance call it dance if you want to call it yoga call it yoga if you want to just call it movement great do that and that for me is what it's all about yeah and I think it just perfectly sums up anyone who like both of us who has had a moment of crisis wondering 
what to identify as in terms <laughs> of a movement professional um, mm. it has it has to come from within and if it feels right to do so then make up a new name for it <laughs> as long as it is it is that feeling of dancer. Remember that dancer does not mean to be paid mm-hmm. to dance professionally. It does not mean you've trained for X amount of years or at a particular place or school or any other factors that your great, great nan was a dancer and every yeah. family since has danced. No, <laughs> it is it is a soulful expression and I'm so glad that you that you brought this to because I think I think sometimes when we can um, social media wasn't the big thing that it was back in 2012 when I was having this crisis Mm -hmm. but being able to share it and and ask questions with with my peers like you did I felt was just so tremendous and some of the answers that you got from some of the questions of people in in the yoga industry and the dance industry really questioning what it is to be one or the other yeah it was so compelling yeah and I think the the reason I wanted to talk about it more is because I do feel as though obviously now when I left university social media was a very big thing so comparison was rife and it was hard to escape from but when we leave that safety net of training or education and you're kind of deciding what path to go down sure if you go down the the route you want to go if you want to go down the performing route and you stay in that kind of dance world excellent but if you go if you choose to go down that other route or you find yourself kind of drifting away some for some reason people don't talk about that they don't talk about that in a way that should still be celebrated we almost feel uh, there's this, I, I spoke about it there's this almost like shame element like like you you failed in a way you didn't do what you set out to do your years at university were wasted and that's absolutely not the case absolutely not the case you're and it goes the same for whether you did worked at a conservatoire it's mm. the exact same you did what you wanted to do at the time you loved it you fully embraced it and if you find yourself shifting another way Again, embrace that in the same way you embraced your training at the time. And it comes back to what we said at the beginning, no matter where you go, there's no need to place it higher than the other. Just continue demonstrating your passion for whatever it is you find yourself doing at the moment. I feel like I need to do a mic drop just then. (laughs) Move with the breath, move with the breath, move with the moment. Yes, exactly. Exactly. If only you'd been around when I was having this crisis. (laughs) (laughs) I said said on Instagram as well, um, when I was having this conversation, if anyone needs me to be your hype girl, I'm here. If you you need hyping up, just send me a message and I will guide you along the way. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. Me too. Me too. Yes. Let's be each other's hype girls. Yeah. And any, anyone, anyone with any form of success mm-hmm. in their dance even if it's just heading to a really great class and feeling amazing afterwards that is yes. that is such success I feel mm-hmm. like dance is such an important part of mental health I know mm-hmm. a lot of people that much later in life have found dance through 
it just being a hobby mm-hmm. um, who have never done it before and then found it and just started that you know really had their eyes opened to the style and what it feels like to move in time with music and and work hard to really nail something yeah because you know let's face it no matter how much training you've done a piece mm-hmm. of choreography will come up sometimes and you'll go I cannot wrap yeah. my head on this I yeah. really have to work hard and then you nail it and you feel really amazing because all of that hard work you've put into it has resulted in you feeling that sense of achievement for breaking through some boundaries that you had before and I just I, I really do feel that no matter what level no matter how long no matter what age just dance really is for everybody and it is something that I hope can only be highlighted more and more and more with every passing day yeah and I think I think it is I think we're on the way truly yummy thought to end this conversation on Lauren thank you so very much for giving us your time today your insights have been truly heartfelt and wonderful and I know I am incredibly appreciative for you sharing what was probably an incredibly personal moment (laughs) of identity (laughs) questioning so thank you so much for your bravery in sharing all of that I think that that is how we end up eventually balancing a lot of what our society initially doesn't deem as important but Mm -hmm. certainly in an industry that is already seen as a bit of a luxury Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's nice to have this base this base sense of common decency and kindness and success and celebration so thank you so very much Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. And in a way, I think this has encouraged me to talk about this more um, and encourage other people to talk about this more. So yes, thank you so much. (laughs) You can't see me, but I'm I'm doing a high kick in celebration. (laughs) I mean, I'll vouch for her. It's a very impressive high kick. So yeah, I still got it. (laughs) Once a dancer, always a dancer. (laughs) Always, always. Well, thank you so very much, Lauren. It has been truly tremendous to chat to you. And I hope, as we are Instagram friends, I hope to (laughs) one day meet you properly in person and have a good old boogie. Yes, that was amazing. Yes, let's plan it. Let's get it in the diary. It's a date. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us with today's episode. I hope it has brought you some insight, whether you're a dancer or not, whether you go and do a dance class and absolutely love it. Please let us know and I will see you in the next one. Thank you so much for joining Lauren and myself in today's conversation. Even if you're not a dancer per se or have ever danced, we hope that the dancer within is allowed to be set free and sore, whether it is at your next wedding party, birthday party, or just this evening in your kitchen. 
A quick thank you to every single person who supports this podcast. This podcast is supported financially by those who can spare either five or ten pounds a month. For that, you of course get to listen to this podcast a little bit early and you get classes, new moon journaling prompts, a full moon flow with me, as well as a little monthly playlist and sparks of joy sprinkled across your week. If you would like to support this podcast on Patreon, you can do so via the link in the description or ask me any questions via social media. In the meantime, take care. Om Shanti.